Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to MoForecast, a podcast series where experts from Morrison and Forrester make predictions about enforcement and policy trends in the Biden administration. Today, we'll be discussing the European Union. I'm your host, James Kukios, co-head of MoFo's Securities Litigation, Enforcement, and White Collar Practice Group. I'm pleased to be speaking today with Patrick Spate. Patrick is a partner in MoFo's Berlin office, focusing on compliance matters, internal investigations, and corporate governance for clients in Germany and other EU countries. Among other things, he focuses on domestic and international anti-bribery laws, anti-money laundering regulations, tax, competition law, and economic sanctions. Patrick, thanks very much for being here today. I want to start out by drawing on your great expertise in the EU to help us understand the enforcement relationship between the United States and the European Union under the Trump administration. Thanks, James. It's a pleasure to do that podcast with you. A great question. In general, from a U.S. perspective, I think one has to see that we have the European Union and we have the member states of the European Union. And when we talk about enforcement priorities and trends at the EU level, we can see that those are generally less influenced by political changes of administrations and their specific strategies and policies, simply because there are changes all the time in member states and EU level. And second, most European countries have prosecutors' offices that are run relatively independent by career prosecutors and whose leaderships do not change with every election. Rather, enforcement priorities and trends are typically the result of long-term policy changes, which often take considerable time to come into force and which, in many cases, survive their initiating administrations and their reactions to changes in foreign administrations. So as a result, at EU level and EU member states, enforcement priorities and trends are usually not associated with individual administrations, but rather with general long-term political developments. Having said this, there's of course an impact of what's going on in the United States and which focus the respective administration puts on enforcement. So when it comes to cooperation with the U.S., European policy and decision makers are naturally affected by U.S. administration-specific enforcement priorities. This also became clear during the Trump administration. So at a political level, we saw great reservation vis-à-vis the Trump administration, especially at the G20, And this resulted in in an overall decrease in cooperation with the U.S. at the policy level. Despite this, at the working level, we witnessed some very interesting cases which showcased very effective cooperation and a continuous cooperation between the U.S. and European countries. And I just give you two examples of these cooperations. One is the settlement involving Airbus with authorities in the US and in France and Britain simultaneously, which closed four years of investigations into accusations of bribery. And I think that's still the biggest anti-bribery case that 
was ever resolved in the US and Europe. And there's another case, the Ericsson case, which highlights the continued cooperation. Here in, in 2019, the DOJ settled with Ericsson the Foreign Anti-Corruption Investigation. And Sweden's prosecution authority is said to have assisted the US in the investigation. And it also prompted a preliminary investigation in Sweden into these allegations. And the DOJ, during the Trump administration, explicitly mentioned the significant cooperation provided by the SEC and law enforcement authorities in Sweden in this case. So, as a summary, even though the Trump administration was depicted, especially in the news, as a administration difficult to work with at a political level, on a daily basis, there was a lot of cooperation between the authorities. Those are great points that you raised, Patrick. You know, from a U.S. perspective, especially when it comes to things like anti-corruption enforcement, it's not all that different than I think what you described as the EU level or the country level prosecution as well. Because, for example, if we go back to the FCPA and the Airbus and Ericsson resolutions that you mentioned, you know, most FCPA enforcement attorneys are career officials as well, and they don't really get impacted on a day-to-day basis necessarily by who's the president. And I think you raise a really good point. Those were long-term investigations and a lot of the prosecutors in the U.S. have long-term relationships with their counterparts in the EU through such mechanisms as the OECD Anti-Bribery Convention Working Group on Bribery, and really does show that on a day-to-day level, even if President Trump was seen as somebody who's hard to work with, maybe the U.S. Department of Justice and the SEC were more seen as a stabilizing body. So it's interesting that you point that out about the EU prosecutors and point to those cases that really do show that a lot of the cooperation continues. That said, let's now turn again towards the political changes, and maybe you can help us understand how you see there may be some changes between the U.S. and EU enforcement relationships with the new Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, that's another great question. Generally, it may be difficult to predict how EU enforcement priorities and trends will be affected by the new U.S. administration for the reasons I, I mentioned at the beginning. I think at the moment, at least, there's a lot of attention and aspiration due to President Biden's commitment to transatlantic cooperation. And I personally see that EU authorities and national authorities will try to work very closely together with their U.S. counterparts on not only pending major cases, but also on policy areas that are developing. And because one would like to return to the situation we had with the Obama administration, where there was close cooperation and coordination, and I think most politicians and their government officials are really looking forward to working with their colleagues in these fields. Turning to what the focus of the cooperation will be, I would think it's anti-corruption. In the past, that has been one of the most important areas. We mentioned Airbus and Ericsson. There are many other examples from the past. I would also expect a significant change in the area of antitrust. 
whereas the Trump administration focused more on domestic antitrust cases, I would expect that the Biden administration takes more the approach the Obama administration took and will put a further emphasis on international antitrust enforcement cases. So this could lead to a couple of interesting antitrust cases between the US and Europe. Then there's, of course, the broad area of economic sanctions. Economic sanctions are a highly political area of the law, which relates to national security, and every country defines its own national security. Under the Trump administration, there was some disagreement regarding Iran, also with respect to China and Russia. I would expect that going forward, policymakers in the US and Europe will do their best, together with the UK as another major power in this field, to be as much aligned as possible and to coordinate on sanctions. Because if sanctions are not coordinated, the disruptive effects on business are even worse. So it's really in the interest of companies and business that sanctions are coordinated. There's a little caveat I would make. European countries, such as Germany, France, other countries, have also certain historic ties with countries like Russia, Iran, and they may have in some areas slightly different economic interests in these countries. So this may affect sanctions in specific cases. But I would think overall, there will be more alignment between the US and the EU in this area. A final topic where President Biden has put an emphasis on in, in his first 100 days so far are, I think, environmental issues and ESG topics in general. This is also an area where the EU is putting a lot of emphasis on at the moment. I can talk about this in a minute in more detail. And I think when it comes to enforcement of environmental regulation, we will also see more coordination and cooperation in the future. Given that expectation that there will be more cooperation and coordination in the areas you mentioned between the US and the EU, what are some words of advice you could give to companies so they can prepare going forward? I think companies should follow any developments, not necessarily on a daily basis, unless it's sanctions and export control, where they have to do it because it can change every day. But I think there can be a lot of value to a comparative analysis, what the requirements are in these different jurisdictions and into which direction they go. Especially multinational companies, they have to comply with thousands of different regulations every day. And to make this compliance requirement as efficient as possible, you really have to find the common ground of these regulations. So to give you an example, bribery of foreign government officials is a crime in almost 
virtually every country of the world. But it's maybe a little bit more complicated with commercial bribery because the laws are not that aligned because the OECD and the United Nations have not passed the same treaties. Generally speaking, companies should really try to identify what are the major policy trends and where regulation is heading. And Patrick, before we go also, from an EU perspective, what do you see as kind of the major enforcement or policy areas that we can expect over the next months and years? Yeah, thanks, James. I think we are really, I wouldn't say it's a paradigm shift, but I think things are changing. Because outside of antitrust law, historically, there is no jurisdiction at the EU level to enforce white collar crime related violations. This is done at the level of the individual member states. A bit like, imagine in the US there was no DOJ, but every law was only enforced by the 50 states individually. And this is now about to change because the EU and the member states have realized that this is not very effective. And one major step is the establishment of a European Public Prosecutor's Office, the EPPO, and that will happen in 2021. It will be an independent office with the competence to investigate, prosecute, and bring to judgments crimes against the EU budget, such as fraud and other criminal offenses, including corruption. And the EPPO will have an office in Luxembourg, and it will have more than 100 European delegated prosecutors in the member states. So this is really a big change. And it's not only that the EPPO will have enforcement power, the competent national authorities will have it to inform the EPPO of any fact that may constitute an offense under the mandate of the EPPO. And therefore, I expect quite a number of cases being treated by the EPPO together with the member states in an area which so far was a bit below the radar because no one felt competent for it. And just to give you a couple of numbers, there are estimates that at EU level, just in 2017, the EU suffered more than 500 million euro in damages as a result of fraud, and that there were more than 1,000 related fraud cases that would have fallen in the scope of the EPPO. So now, once it starts in 2021, I expect a number of cases being treated by the EPPO. And this would also affect U.S. companies, which are involved in EU-funded projects, as well as fraud cases, which ties to the U.S. And it could even trigger FCPA investigations, because to the extent that European government officials are involved in a fraud case, these European government officials would be foreign government officials within the meaning of the FCPA. A second important area is whistleblower protection. And to mention this only briefly, the EU has introduced 
a directive which the member states must transpose into their national legislation by December 2021. Under the directive, the member states are required to ensure that all forms of retaliation against whistleblowers by their employers are prohibited, and such protection has to extend to workers and persons supervised by contractors or suppliers, as well as future employees acquiring information during recruitment. This will enhance the protection of whistleblowers. I expect this will also have an impact on U.S. authorities because whistleblowers might be prompted to report to U.S. agencies to get uh, Mexican credits available under U.S. law. A third major trend, which I mentioned briefly at the beginning, is ESG regulation. And a bit like the Biden administration that has generally pledged to promote ESG, in particular with respect to the protection of the environment, at EU level and in EU member states, administrations and lawmakers have also introduced or prepared to do so a variety of ESG-related regulations. And these regulations also provide for the possibility to sanction non-compliant companies. So, for example, the European Parliament and the EU Commission work on a new directive that would require companies to carry out effective due diligence along its value supply chain. This would include its operations, direct and indirect business relations, and investments. Due diligence would have to be carried out with regard to the three limbs of ESG, which means environmental impact, contributing to climate change, potential infringement of human rights, and good governance to prevent and mitigate corruption and bribery risks. The new rules could possibly not only bind companies established within the EU, but also those established outside the EU that have access to the EU internal market. And the rules would apply regardless of the size and sector of the company and the public or private nature of its ownership. So just looking at these three areas, I think it becomes apparent that boards of management, legal departments, compliance departments should continuously monitor their internal risk management systems in these areas and, if necessary, adjust these systems to any new requirements arising in the EU or the US. So in summary, I think there are interesting times ahead of us. The Biden administration will add more momentum to transatlantic cooperation. And I see a lot of alignment in policy and enforcement trends. And yeah. Thanks, Patrick. It'll be very interesting to see, especially from my perspective as a white collar lawyer, how the Biden administration interacts with that new EU-level prosecutor's office. So everything you raise is very interesting, and of course, we'll be on a lookout for it. That'll be a very interesting development to see how that plays out over the next four years. So thanks again for joining us today with a very interesting information on the EU. This is the end of our Mo Forecast episode on expectations for the European Union and the upcoming Biden administration. Once again, I'm your host, James Kukios, speaking with Patrick Spate from our Berlin office. If you liked today's episode, please visit the MOFO website and join us for additional installments of the MO Forecast series.
covering predictions for enforcement and policy trends in other areas of the law. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.